All right, welcome back to another No Topic is Safe podcast. I'm Caleb. I'm Angie. And today we're going to be talking about how to get in touch with your authentic self. So this is kind of something that seems to be plaguing our society and a lot of younger people specifically. Uh, And we have this situation where a lot of people are trying to like figure out who they are, what they're about and like who they are at their core and they're just struggling with it. So today we are going to be talking about how to kind of get into that for yourself and some tips and tricks that we've kind of learned along the way and maybe share some stories that we've kind of experienced um, in finding our authentic selves. So uh, I wanted to start it off by asking you a question about some situations that you've had in your life where you feel like you haven't been your authentic self and then kind of what you did to get out of that situation, you know, figure out what you wanted in life. Oh, uh, I'm just going to stop you right there and say, I am still struggling with this. (laughs) (laughs) I have not mastered this skill at all, Uh, but it is something that I'm working on. Um, I'm reading this really good book right now by Dr. Shafali. It's called Radical Awakening. And it's this whole premise where it is a book for women um, or those who identify as women. And it's basically a book that is trying to help us return to our core because of, for lack of a better word, the patriarchy. Now, I do have to say that I am not one of those extremist feminists that are man haters. Um, I do feel like I need to say that now because it seems like the gender war is just getting out of control. And if I call myself a feminist, there is a very negative connotation, which a lot of people think that I'm just like this man. I'm like, no, I just want equal rights. Like, I just want to have the same kind of value in the world like men, like different competencies. But I want to be valued equally. Anyways, this book is really about helping women in particular undo, unlearn all of the societal programming that is placed upon them. It helps us return to our, you know, feminine essence and just unlearning all of this shit that we are kind of constantly bombarded with throughout our whole lives. Now, I'm not saying that men are not um, struggling with issues that, you know, plague them as well. So we definitely are. Just because I'm saying that women have a problem does not mean that I'm saying men don't. I think that that's just a lapse in logic that I see, especially on social media all the time, where if you state a fact, people assume that you also mean that the opposite isn't there. Um, (laughs) Anyways, it's a really good book. And I was just like, wow, this is really cool. Like, how do we undo all of this shit that is told, like spoon fed to us throughout our whole lives? You know, like, in particular, like with women, like we're supposed to be quiet. We're supposed to put others before ourselves. We're supposed to be mothers. We're not supposed to have careers. If we choose a career, then we're viewed as a bad you know, family member. If we choose our family, then we're looked at as these lazy people who don't want careers. So it's just really confusing for a lot of us. She makes the case that a lot of women around the age of 40, when the kids start you know, leaving the house, they're kind of left with this midlife crisis where they're like, wow, okay. I did all the right things. Like I had my job, raised my kids, the kids leave. And a lot of us are faced with this question of like, who am I now that I'm not like raising my kid day in, day out? Again, not saying that dads don't raise the kid, just saying that mothers tend to be more nurturing. And there's a lot more societal expectations of mothers to do the child rearing. And that's what this book in particular is about. And it got me thinking a lot. So, yeah. Huh. Okay. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions for that, but like, 
I'm going to touch on real quick that you kind of said that it's it's for both genders as well. So this isn't something that is only plaguing women. This is definitely plaguing men as well, because like we see so many things in social media and the expect societal expectations of what a man is supposed to be. And I think the way people are starting to portray it is, you know, it it's very polarizing. And I think this was something that I was struggling with was the idea of like you know you got to find your masculinity and you got to figure out who you are and i you know suffered from that idea of having it be one thing or the other i i was thinking that you know in order to be masculine i was like foregoing all feminine qualities i was foregoing anything that was not masculine or traditionally seen as masculine so i think some you something you brought up the other day to me was the idea that we are not striving for these fixed points of what masculinity and femininity is. And that right. Like, so basically really like mas- basically masculinity and femininity are really great words to describe when we're out of alignment with our authentic selves, but they are not the end goal or something we should try to beat only. Mm. They're just these finite points to help us understand where we are in certain situations. As certain situations come up in life, you will have to lean one way or the other in order to accomplish the goal, protect yourself, protect your family, do what you got to do, live your dreams. So it's not that you want to, but the way I, I say it, is it's not like this feminine is this end goal where when I die, I will hope that the world thinks of me as feminine. No, like I want to be thought of as everything. I want to be thought of as flexible and structured, flowing and disciplined, um, aggressive and submissive at times, playful, serious, rebellious, conscientious, all of that stuff. I want to be whole in the end. But I do think that these words, masculine and feminine, are great to help us articulate these otherwise very big and esoteric concepts. So Mm. I don't think that they are end goals. They just help us lean one way or the other, depending on the situation circumstance that we are in, if that makes sense. It does. So I think it's really smart to have that distinction of them not being fixed points when you're trying to start leaning into finding your authentic self. Like, it is absolutely invaluable to understand kind of the left and right limits and the parameters in which you're doing that. So if you're, you know, trying to figure out who you are and aiming to be masculine, just know that it is not a fixed end point where you are only masculine, like all the time in every time. circumstance. Right. And, it, and also, I think with that, a lot of people are rebelling to the point where they are fearing the other side and they're starting to be like, Like if I'm a woman and I'm doing something that's masculine, I'm failing as a woman and you get really in your head and it's like, no, I just had to like lean into my more masculine qualities in order to accomplish this task more effectively. Right. And so I just think that they're not endpoints. They're more like little bumpers on a spectrum. And, you know, we are going to have to choose circumstance by circumstance where we lie in between those two points. Um, I hope that that makes sense. It does. It does, and some so. people are going to feel more comfortable, you know, most of the time leaning a certain way and other people are going to oscillate evenly and other people are going to be hard, you know, masculine or hard feminine. So it doesn't fucking matter. Like <laughs> it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just a way for our language to articulate these things. Cause they're so metaphysical in nature. There's, it's hard to, it's hard to talk when you don't have limits 
right? It's hard to talk about something that's so grand, the entirety of the human experience, the entirety of human identity, the entirety of all of these characteristics. It's more like a really easy way to categorize so we can understand each other and heal the parts of us that maybe are lacking or are wounded. That right? absolutely makes sense. Wow. Okay. So leading into kind of the next idea or question about it, like what are some of the things that people can do? Like if they're struggling with figuring out who they are and they're just like, you know, looking in the mirror, who am I? Mm -hmm. What, what can they do to start figuring out like who they are at their core? Because I know, okay. I know some things that you've taught me and some of the things that I've used to try to start figuring this out, but you know, just some broad strokes on what it looks like broad to start strokes. figuring out who Here you are. Here we go. Yes. So the very first question that you have to ask yourself is, is this truly me or is this societal programming and or trauma that is causing me to like or want to participate or do this thing? So the very first step is just becoming aware of our patterns. One of the quotes from this book that I'm reading right now is really good. She says, we don't live our lives. We live our patterns. Most human beings, all human beings, I should say, we are literally formed. We are developed. The brain literally is created physically based on both nurture and nature. So we are biological masses. We absolutely have pre-programmed things in our genes that exist. We also are created through our experiences in life. So that is very huge because a lot of people think it's nature or nurture. It's not. It's nature and nurture. We know this. We know that trauma can be passed down through epigenetics, you know, through future generations. We know that trauma chemically alters the brain and the metabolism. We also know that there's over 400 personality traits that babies are born with before they even have an external experience in this world. So it is both biology and nature that forms who we are. The reason that that is relevant is because we have to understand that we probably are never going to undo all societal programming. And that shouldn't be the goal. Number one, it's physically impossible because the way that your brain, what your brain was exposed to socially and externally, it is formed around. Okay. So the goal isn't to just undo all programming. The goal is to question if this is truly you, if this is something that is aligned with your values, who you want to be, if it is programming, it's just a great way to figure out if it's authentic to you or, or if it's something that maybe was just shoved down your throat. So questioning it is a huge first step that you can take. For example, if I grow up thinking that my favorite color is pink, but I find out that I was literally raised as a little girl in a pink bedroom, and I had all my best memories there. That is a really great way to kind of understand that pink might be my favorite color, but is it because it's actually my favorite color? Or is it because I was just raised with a lot of pink and I have a really good positive association with that color? <laughs> and then the second question is, if that is programmed into me, am I okay with it? You don't have to rebel against everything that might've been put on you. If it works for you and you still like pink, good for you. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but if it's it's it becomes problematic 
where we start taking these values or these things that we think we have to do, but we really don't want to do, but we don't know why we don't want to do them. So just asking the question, realizing, hey, is this coming from me or something else? And then am I okay with it or not? That's the very first step. Mm, I think that that distinction between is it a positive association? Like, because, okay, where my head is going right now is the programming, because I think when people hear the word programming, they think it is like manipulative. They think it is a bad thing that anything that is programmed into you is bad. It's not just like you said, like it is absolutely okay. If there's just a bunch of positive association with that thing and it is nurture, that's cool. As long as you're cool with it. So I think, like you said, identifying those things that are very, you know, (laughs) either programmed and are you okay with it? Are you okay with that programming? So I think, uh, kind of next question is, or I wouldn't say question. It's kind of a, more of a comment, like. I think that something people need to kind of understand is that how you were when you were little and you showed this to me and kind of had me go through this exercise, but like your actions, your behaviors, the things you liked when you were young, like when you were a kid are often a window into your core because that was before too much programming got in the way or, you know, expectations kind of started kicking in, but like, I know when I was little, I loved being outside. I loved being outside in nature. I loved being in the trees and, you know, in the grass. And that is something that I'm very, very much passionate about. And that is like a safe space and it feels good for me. So um, when leaning into it, I think it's kind of a good idea to start looking at your past as well, like what you enjoyed as a child. So to get back to your authentic self to get back to your authentic self and start figuring it out. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. Miss Marissa Peer talks about this. She's one of the best therapists in the world. Um, mm-hmm. and she specializes in actually a therapy, um, that she created called RTT, which is, um, awesome. But she, yeah, she's, she's the one that kind of illuminated this to me where she was like, if you enjoyed it before the age of seven, and this is, you know, understanding that it wasn't just shoved down your throat consistently, but the little things that you like to enjoy, you know, when you were seven and under, that's a really good indication that that's probably something closer to your authentic self. Like you said, you don't have so many years of peer pressure and, you know, conformity and all the stuff that gets in the way, um, or that can get in the way. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, that's a really great thing. For example, like for me, like when I was little, I just loved drawing. I loved coloring. I loved creating little beanie baby houses. (laughs) And it's so funny because today I'm like, I still love art. I still love interior design. So it's like, wow, that's so fascinating. You know, my parents never made me color. My parents never made me build beanie baby houses. I just thoroughly enjoyed that. And so now as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is definitely something that really stuck. Um, And I I just think it's all so fascinating. So that is a really great thing that you can do if you're just kind of at this point where you're like, who am I and what do I actually like? Looking to your past, especially before the age of seven, will illuminate a lot for you. And of course, it's not going to be necessarily exact. You know, as we evolve, we end up accumulating better, you know, grander (laughs) evolutions of these tasks, right? Like maybe for you, you like to be outside. Now that looks like I like to hike 
and go on Spartan races and do more adventures and survival stuff. So it can evolve, but just kind of getting back to that root of what was some stuff that you like to do that nobody forced you to do that you just naturally did and do that. It can be very healing for us as adults to just take some time and do that. Go to the park and play on the monkey bars and see how much joy you get. Jump on a trampoline, <laughs> right? Like, what did you used to just have fun doing? Climb the trees. If you've outgrown your trees, go ahead and join a rock climbing gym and see how much fun that is. We really do need to get back to this place of finding recreational activities that are healthy, that are happy, that heal ourselves, that fulfill ourselves. And not just, you know, conforming to this idea where if you're an adult, the only way to have fun is to drink on the weekends with a bunch of friends. It's sad. It's very sad. So, okay. I got a question about like, you know, finding your authentic self for those of us that are stuck or feel stuck in a career, in a certain life and feel like there's no way to get to a, a place of authentic self. Like, like for me, for instance, I'm in Korea right now and I am in a situation where there's not a lot of outdoors near me that I can easily and readily get to. It's all, you know, base and it's challenging to have that time and get in touch with that outdoor inner self, like thing that I want to do. Like for those of us that are trapped or might feel trapped, what would you advise them do to get closer to their authentic self? Well, number one, you're not just going to have one activity that feels good. And, and you're particularly talking about like the childhood experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're like, if I liked being outside when I was little and now I can't be outside. Well, number one, of course you can't. You can always go for a walk outside. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this grand experience. But number two, I highly doubt that there was only one thing you liked to do when you were little. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. maybe when you were little, your favorite thing was going and getting, you know, an ice cream sundae every, you know, every Sunday after church, your family would go and get an ice cream sundae. Maybe pick up that tradition again just for you and go get that ice cream sundae. Or maybe it was a monthly barbecue or whatever it is, but there's going to be something in your past that you find comforting. Even those of us who, you know, probably a lot of us have lived very traumatic childhoods, but even like, like me, for example, <laughs> but there's still little glimmers of things where I'm like, God, I love doing that. You know, and so yeah. you you just got to find sort of like a buffet of activities that you can participate in. Right. Yeah. A so and just try them out. Exactly. So I was just going to say I've, there's no childhood that is all 100 percent bad. And I think that was something that you again, you helped me kind of heal with myself is I had a very traumatic childhood and I only saw the negative. I only saw the bad and I always focused on that stuff. But then after, you know, working on it and healing it, I realized that there was a lot of good as well. So yeah. like you're saying, focus on the buffet that there that could potentially be there because I like to tinker as well. So, you know, although I might not be able to go on hikes in the woods, I could, you know, have a little project. I could tinker on things. I could work on bicycles or I could work on other people's cars. Like that's something that I enjoy doing. So you're right. Like th look for the opportunities to get in touch with like your childhood and your inner core 
and the know, good parts. <laughs> good parts that that and that's are one of there the annoying, they are. That's one of the annoying parts about you know depression and PTSD too is that a lot of people who were in traumatic um, childhoods, right? Like they can't remember. Some of them can't remember any part of their childhood. Like it's all a blur. Um, yeah. So. And, and I have some things that you could do for, for that as well. But, yeah. um, you know, like you said, like, but that's part of healing is recognizing the other part of the story, recognizing that it wasn't, I'd imagine for most of us, it wasn't a hundred percent of the time, all abuse and chaos and trauma, you know, that, that would be really hard to accomplish actually. Mm. Right. Like yeah. even if you're in an abusive household, it'd be very hard for someone to abuse you 24 seven. Cause they got to sleep. They got to, you know, do their thing. So, um, it might be very hard for some of us to find those little glimmers, those little tiny memories, those little micro incidents where, Oh, I have this weird memory where I was eight and I was playing with the frogs by the pond. And it's just two minutes that you remember, go to a pond. I don't care yeah. if it was only two minutes. I don't care if this wasn't something that you thought you loved at the time, but at least you're leaning into the good parts. But retraining the brain to kind of go back and look at the other stuff that was happening, that does take time for a lot of us. It does take time. It takes a lot of awareness, a lot of conscious effort to do, but it is possible. Right? Yeah. I, was, I mean, it took me till, what, what, 33 years old to finally start finding those positive memories that I had. And, like, I had a whole – it was a whole thing. I broke down. I was crying because – I thought my childhood was all bad. And then all of a sudden I'm starting to bring all these positive memories to the front. And I'm like, whoa, okay. It wasn't all bad. There was beauty and peace and fun and joy in that. So yeah, I think uh, just really focus on that positive is there and you can get to those little memories because I promise they are there. So, um, And if you can't, Start creating fun memories now. Mm -hmm. Don't wait until you find something. If you're someone who really does have like no memory of their childhood, because it's very common, um, just start creating joy for your life. Start doing things that feel good. And I'm not necessarily talking about 100% hedonistic pleasure. I'm just talking about do stuff that try things. Number one, if you don't, if you're like, I don't know what feels good, try anything, you know, flip through Instagram. Find activities that look fun and do something that either is that exact activity or that is adjacent to that activity. Um, because some people might really have to find, actively find their joy. And I encourage everybody to do that, whether you have a traumatic past or not. And make time for it. Make time for fun. Make time to get out of your routine, get out of the doldrums, if you will, and really go give yourself something that feels good. Give your, you know, eat a food that feels good. Do a self-care practice that feels good. Get your nails done. Get your hair done. You know, go shoot a bow and arrow for the fun of it, right? Like <laughs> making time for fun is so healing. It really can help our brains and our nervous systems get out of this fight or flight response. And yeah. if you try a new activity and you like it, you're also going to be one step closer to your authentic self because clearly if it was a new activity, there's not a lot of programming around it. Right. Right. Or there you can could build, be, yeah, you can build nothing but good memories around that new activity that you're trying. So, yeah, that's I, yeah. I totally see the value in seeking out those experiences. So I yeah. I, I recommend it for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. 
but it's hard, you know, it's hard finding who you truly are. It's, it's hard realizing that you are not, or you have not always been the captain of your ship, if you will. Like it's, it can be kind of jarring when we first start waking up and being like, wait a minute, <laughs> is yeah. that me? Or is that something <laughs> that I'm just doing because everybody around me is doing it or everybody around me always told me I needed to be doing it. Right. And it's really hard to let go of that sometimes. Yeah. So something I want to kind of end on is don't be so hard on yourself either, because mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with if they don't know who they are yet is they, they're really They're really hard on themselves and they think that they should have overcome this challenge or whatever. And look, man, like we all have our strengths and weaknesses. We all have we all have our hangups so don't be so hard on yourself and allow yourself the space to start exploring and figuring out who you are who you want to be and start working towards it because ultimately end of the day like we we are the ones that have the ability to dictate our future so don't get yeah. stuck in this idea that you are this one thing and you are incapable of change and incapable of growth so just get rid of the judgment, right? Like, yeah, get rid of that. Don't need judgment. to judge yourself so harshly. Like, I know I went through that where I was like, "Oh my God, is all of me just this traumatic coping mechanism response? Like, who am I without my trauma? Who <laughs> am I?" You know, and it was it was really hard because I was like, you know, like I thought that I was this badass chick, and then realizing like, oh wow, part of that is because I've always had to fight. And, and like, it's not even something that I've chosen. It's something that I was born into. And so like this whole aspect of my little warrior personality was kind of thrust upon me. And then you're like, and like I said, now the question is, okay, I know where it comes from, but am I okay with it? And that is what I'm working on right now is accepting the part of me that was created by outside circumstances and loving that part and seeing that it is useful, right? That That's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to see too i mean like yeah <laughs> I, I i highly recommend everybody start doing that inner work and figuring out if that programming is cool with them if it's not change it i mean one of my favorite practices yeah. to do i know you keep trying to like wrap up but I'm not done yet. <laughs> i don't know why i don't know who decided we were done no um <laughs> <laughs> just one more thing though but um you know when i first had my spiritual awakening around the age of 15 what i did was super i was super weird kid if you don't super weird adult um, <laughs> yeah. i was a really weird kid but um you know something that i did was every day i would you know go home hide in my room and i would just ask the question why like a million times like i think this why well because blah 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 why well, because blah, blah, blah. Why? You could do that endlessly with yourself. And that just that questioning of like, why am I like this? Why do I like that movie? Why do I like this job? Why do I like the idea of getting a doctorate in psychology when I clearly would rather be doing interior design and podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, is that just something that was that I, you know, because and I know for me personally, with that one in, in particular, it's because like, I was just you know, around psychology when I was in my teens and going through all my PTSD shit. And I was like, wow, it's really cool. You could help people. But does that mean that it's meant for me as a career? 
I don't know. I'm going to have to see. But asking yourself why and not assuming that you know everything about yourself and just being vulnerable with yourself and really being honest. And that's another thing that I think a lot of people find very challenging is honestly answering those questions of why. (laughs) It can get real creepy real fast. But if you do it, number one, you're not going to be able to escape yourself. So the answers are already within you. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's just you and you. Um, And number two, it can be very liberating. It can really help you peel back these layers of, is this a trauma response? Is this a coping mechanism? Was this thrust upon me? Was this belief system just thrust upon me? Have I made time to question it? Have I made time to question myself and what I really want and desire and how I want to show up in the world? So why is always great? That is a great point because I think you got to like that honesty bit too, because I think there's so many people out there, especially that come from trauma that have this habit of living in the overlays and gaslighting Holy shit, themselves. I've seen people without trauma living like that. Yeah. Gaslighting themselves and gaslighting others. And man, like when I started trying to do this exercise of why I kept finding myself ending way too soon because mm-hmm. it got, it gets uncomfortable. <laughs> So something I learned from Dean Graziosi was to get a journal out and literally you have to go seven layers deep. So seven whys. And yeah. and that seems to be a really good number that helps everybody cut through the bullshit and continue the path until they get to that nugget at the end. So yeah. seven whys is a really, really good um, exercise. Okay, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> is there any last things that, that you want to add? <laughs> no, that, I think that's pretty good. Um, okay. Yeah, I hope that that helps you guys. I hope that helps someone. And I'm going to continue this process probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's yeah, no you end know, point. We're not, there's no end point. I'm always going to yeah. be changing, always evolving, always exposed to new things that might mm-hmm. add a new program. So, um, you know, it's okay. We we just, we are who we are. And we need just the closer that we could get to our authentic selves, the better we're going to be able to show up and serve the world. So yeah. I hope that that helps you guys. Be kind to yourself, people. <laughs> All right. That, 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 that ends this podcast. So uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Please like, comment, subscribe, share, you know, get this out to more people that you think might um, benefit from it. So and let also, us know what you guys think. If you want to follow us on social media, my handle on Instagram is the real Angie Mix. That's N-Y-X. Um, that's my Instagram handle and all of my content is about, um, fitness, trauma, health, and healing. It's beautiful stuff. Caleb Nix is my Instagram handle. Lots of workout stuff and more stuff about this podcast. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks. Bye.